another episode of the William Branham Historical Research Podcast. I'm your host, John Collins, the author and founder of William Branham Historical Research at william-branham.org. And with me, I have my co-host, one of our researchers and friend, James Goad. And together, we're examining the history and the intersections in history between William Branham and other key figures that either influenced or were influenced by the post-World War II healing revivals. James, this is an exciting day for both of us. I think we're um, shifting the show just a bit, and we're going to enter into the world of strange. And um, this is your first episode on the show. Um, Charles and I, we spent a great deal of time going through the history of how all of this came to be and brought our listeners up to speed with you know, how the Pentecostal movement formed, how it splintered into the healing revivals, and how that shattered like this big pane of glass into a thousand tiny pieces. And <laughs> you know, as one of our researchers, each one of those pieces are just so strange and unusual. And if, if you really listen to what's being said in some of the sermons, there it would really make a good sci-fi show. And so I thought, what better way to kick off your time on the show with me as starting with the sci-fi yeah yeah it's uh it, it's it's a it is amazing when you when you look at some of these it's yeah it would definitely make a good episode of ancient aliens if nothing else <laughs> exactly we've got a lot of research that you've worked very hard on compiling of different ministers that were impacted by the latter rain movement and its splinter groups and um We've just got some really weird things that are said, and I think it would be helpful to a lot of our listeners if we just kind of pick that apart a little bit, not to, you know, not to really focus in on any particular minister, because, you know, sadly, most of them are like us. They're victims who don't realize they're victims, and now they're further victimizing others, but they say some really weird things, and there are a lot of people sitting there who just kind of tune it out. They don't really think about what's being said. And for me, the most fascinating, fascinating thing to understand is where did it come from? If, if you say this really, really weird thing, well, where did that come from? Because it's not something you're going to hear in normal Christian churches. And I think you've got one of the, <laughs> one of the more fascinating ones picked out for today. Yeah, growing up in these kinds of churches, uh, hearing stories about UFOs and unexplained phenomenon around the world was uh, was quite common. Um, you know, there was uh, there was a lot of things that uh, was said by you know, the prophet, and uh, you know, if the prophet said it, then it was real, and we had to figure out why. You know, we had to you know con conform our thinking to align with what the prophet said. So it's it's. When, when you back these things up and you look at them with science and you actually like look and see what actually has been done to explain some of these things, it, they don't seem as strange as you're sometimes led to believe. But uh, th this particular clip is quite interesting how um, the UFOs seem to have something to do with the rapture of sorts. But, you know, it, I think it would be more interesting to let the minister uh, speak for himself and then we can we can look at it and see what we think about it. Yeah, so let's uh, play the clip and... Um... You know, again, we're not focusing in on any minister as we do this. They're they're literally just repeating what they have heard others say. So it's it's really not even their fault. So 
Um, let's kick this off, and I hope our listeners enjoy the fun that we're about to have. My goodness, all them the UFOs everywhere. I wonder, friend, what's going on? The prophet said, don't worry about it, little children. One of these days, one of them's going to drop down. And he said, there won't be hide nor bones nor hair left behind. But you're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Why? Because you remember Calvary. You remember Pentecost. You remember your word for this day. And Jesus says, I won't forget you. Yeah, so that, that's an unusual <laughs> quote, to say the least, James. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's really funny because historically thinking about this, there was a point of time in the, I think it was in the 50s, 1950s, whenever the UFO craze hit the world, started in America and just kind of spread around the globe, and everyone was talking about this thing, and... You know, everyone capitalized on the frenzy. You've got the movie industry, the radio, the television, the, you know, books. And then the the healing revivalists picked it up. And this became a doctrinal thing, like a fundamental rapture theology doctrinal thing back in the 50s. Well, fast forward through time after the craze kind of fizzled out and it became no longer... I won't say no longer popular because UFOs have always been fascinating, but it became less of a frenzy and there wasn't as much money in it. So all of these healing revivalists just kind of backed off and they realized they were looking a little bit like fools. (laughs) So they, it was no longer a doctrinal thing after a period of time. Well, now, now that we've got, again, this thing that's going on in the United States where You've got all these military forces rising and you've got, you know, different technologies from different countries that we don't even fully yet understand that are quote unquote UAPs now instead of UFOs. They don't want to, (laughs) they don't want to spark the UFO (laughs) phenomenon again, (laughs) but this, this is a thing. So a doomsday cult focuses on the unexplained because There's no way to prove them wrong. And so they'll tell their listeners that this is it. This is the end. The UFOs are coming. And and that's what's happening here. Yeah. And like you said, um, this this really kind of got kicked into high gear in the 1950s. And uh, one of the things that striked a lot of people's imagination was the 1952 incident um, where a bunch of UFOs, you know, quote, um, appeared over D.C. And this a lot of a uh, lot of reports went in this went in the news it was all going from coast to coast everyone was reporting on these multiple different sightings and like you said you know a lot of these a lot of these ministers and all these different ministries picked them up and and used them for their weird theologies and uh, you know anywhere from Gordon Lindsay to William Branham and uh, it's quite interesting to see how the phenomenon of the time is used to wrap into these these larger doctrines and, and and they come up with such weird um, conclusions and then to see how it trickles down to today and how people who are inter- influenced by that and the things that they come up with and, and things like that and, and, and how they try to morph it into the things that have been reported today and things and stuff like that. It's, it, it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> it is. And you know, a lot of these men, you know, we're talking about way back in the days of yesteryear. Um, 
Charles and I went through some of the early history. You had like the Angelus Temple that had these massive, massive radio broadcasting antennas on top of the church that was, you know, broadcasting to the radio and to the home. And that's what eventually transitioned into the televangelist, etc. They were, it was an entertainment industry. And as we kind of covered in the show, it, it was closely linked to the Kardashian family. So this hmm. was heavily, heavily influenced by the entertainment industry. And a lot of these old timers remember back in, I want to say it was like 1938, Orson Welles took the H.G. Wells novel, War of the Worlds, and turned it into this radio broadcast. And, you know, back in the day, back before television, all the families would gather around the radio box and they would sit and listen to whatever was the entertainment of the day. And um, they're sitting there expecting, you know, the music broadcast or some of those old Western radio serials, whatever they're called. And all of a sudden this voice comes on, breaking news. We've got the Martians have landed and they've attacked and the whole world went into, the whole nation went into this crazy frenzy because it was presented as, you know, somewhat satire. It was, it was science fiction, but to the average listener who wasn't expecting this, they're like, oh my gosh, the Martians <laughs> have landed. And it, it went into this crazy frenzy across the United States. And uh, so a lot of these ministers saw the power of this. And then whenever, you know, this craze started hitting in the 50s. And um, like you said, there was a there was a big event where this <laughs> it was military testing, but they um, they started, you know, this questionable thing. Was it was it really the aliens attacking? Was it it was an unidentified flying object? UFO was was um, the phrase was coined. And so there was this big question as to what's happening. Well, you had men like Gordon Lindsay, who was William Branham's campaign manager in the healing revivals. He started publishing this whole array of books on how the how the UFOs were. It was God's signs from the heavens, just as predicted in the Bible. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of these things can be explained away with, you know, undisclosed military tech and, you know, from... You know, we've had a lot of things from the, you know, stealth fighters and things like that that have one time been considered, you know, science fiction. And then later on, we find out that we have stuff like that. So it's it it is not lost on me that a lot of this stuff can very well be explained away with, you know, military tech. But yeah. And but it doesn't stop uh, some of these uh, some of these ministers from creating uh, these strange doctrines around this stuff. And and, you know, um getting people in the frenzy of the unexplained and and that's that's where things get you know interesting and then sometimes even dangerous sometimes depending on how some of these things go i mean we've seen things go from harmless to uh as far bad as you can go so it's it's very interesting to see how these things do influence certain movements and their trajectories and where they end up yeah and again it there's a strong element of fiction. It's not just the military aspect. There's some fiction and there's some crazy. You know, <laughs> it started out as quote-unquote flying saucers. And historically, that's not even really what happened. There was this there was this guy that noticed what he saw. Uh, I think he said something like saucers skipping on water. 
and the newspapers mistakenly thought that he said saucer-shaped objects. And so all of a sudden you had this frenzy in America. Oh my gosh, they're flying saucers. What are they? Are these aliens? And because the newspaper was printed like that, well, the, the military was working on something. And I don't know if the guy was planted or if he was just plain nuts, but he started a military, um, I think it was a colonel. His name was William Nichols. He got on the press you know, into an interview, and he said that the, the United States was investigating these saucers. And, you know, it's a good cover-up, right? If they are working on military technology and they have these quote-unquote saucers, now everybody focuses in on the saucers. What are they? Instead of, okay, these guys are building military tech. Is there a war coming? Should we be, should we be afraid, right? Well, it's interesting because that's flipped upside down in religion. While the government takes the fear away by shifting attention to something else, the religion flipped it back over and said, be afraid, the end is coming, the end is near, doomsday is near. And you had all these ministers who were just eating this up in the 1950s. And like the clip that you found, this this guy's doing the same thing today because there's, again, this <laughs> UAP phenomenon. Right. And and the, the strange thing about it is is that it goes from uh the the uh and, and the, the group that I'm familiar with that I that I, I came out of, um you, you know, you, you run into these stories that, you know, they're not just aliens and the end is nigh, it's that they're investigating angels and it's they're they're here to bring judgment or beckon on the end of days. Yeah, like you said, it, it just it gets into these really weird places and it gets so extra biblical that you're like, are we even talking about the Bible anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff, you know? <clears throat> so Gordon Lindsay published all of these books and I think to some extent, Gordon Lindsay is the one to blame for the origin of all of this because he saw the power. He's he's literally, he's the marketing engine of this healing revival through the Voice of Healing publications. And in October of 1952, he published this big front page of the Voice of Healing magazine. It says, what is the mystery of these flying saucers? Are they of supernatural origin? And, you know, it just, it quickly spread through the revival because they saw the power, the interest of this. And it's, I've been studying ancient religion and ancient Gnosticism, how these pagan ideas mix with Christianity and form what they called the new Christianity. And it was very, very much like the cults of Dionysus and all of these other mystery cults. They had the mysteries and the mysteries are what attracts the itching ears. You've got the people who don't understand what is true Christianity, but they want to know what, okay, what's that mystery thing you're talking about? So they get all these people with itching ears come to hear. Well, once the frenzy fizzled out again, they moved on to the next mystery because, well, that one's no longer a mystery. We know that that's investigating angels or whatever it was that each particular flavor of the, the splinter groups of the latter rain movement presented these UFOs as, and interestingly, this impacted Jim Jones and the trajectory of Jonestown. You can go onto the Jonestown um, Institute website and you can see some of that research that I've helped compile. But 
this this was a frenzy that caught on and it just exploded into this new quote unquote rapture theology and you find that it's almost centrally focused with all of the doomsday sects of the of the splinter groups of the latter rain right and it creates such an interesting concoction of of tools for them to use because you know, you've got the unexplained and that can kind of, like you said, get people with itching ears in to come in and see, well, what is going on? You know, I'm maybe interested in UFOs. What's this got to do with your religion? And then you've got the more uh, dangerous things where it's like talking about the end and the end of days and, you know, the, you know, the end is nigh. And, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, of ways that these things can be leveraged and they are leveraged in different ways. And, um, and like you said, and it starts from such a, a, a a small, almost innocuous thing where, you know, you've got some UFO reports and then it goes in the news and, and, and flies around the country, you know, and then, and then you're, and then one man spreads it in a, in a, in a, uh, healing magazine. And, and then you've got it influencing Jim Jones and all these other things. And then, you know, you even end up with things like Heaven's Gate, the UFO cult. And you're like, you're like, how did we get here? What's, what's going on? Why, why are these things popping up? And, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy to think about how far some of these things go and, and where they feed into. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there have been strange phenomenon as far back as history records and, you know, there, even if you go back just a few hundred years, you see all of this weird stuff. Well, when modern Pentecostalism was birthed, <clears throat> it was birthed because of a series of earthquakes that happened in, um, I think it was Northern California. And y you've got these natural events that have been occurring for millennia that you can find all through even the ancient world. You can find all of these these events that spark some fear that the gods are angry or as, as it relates to the latter rain, that the God is coming and we, the end of the world is nigh, that kind of thing. And, you know, now we have access to newspapers. We can go way back into the 1600s. If you want, you can see all of these natural events that have been occurring for decades, long before these guys are claiming it's the end. And each time it happens, you find this new weird cult that emerges because some unusual naturally occurring event happens and the people just freak out because, again, it's the mystery. It's the unexplained. Right. And there's, you know, even uh, there's even events that happened in 1954 in Chicago um, that Brandon even picked up on. Uh, it was a, you know, weather phenomenon that happened over over uh, Lake Michigan and uh you know, it got put into message canon, and today ministers even pick it up and use it and uh, talk about the event and how it's uh, supernaturally unexplained, and how you know it's it's uh, because because the prophet said it was unexplained and therefore it is unexplained. But the fact of the matter is, is that you know we have you know the science of today, and even you can look at the science that they were doing back then to determine what these things actually are. And, you know, we have satellites over the place and we can we can examine all these weather phenomenon and actually get down and really figure out what's going on. Uh, and so maybe with that, we should check out this next clip and see a little bit about what's going on and, and see how these stories kind of progress. You had a great sign to happen here in Chicago a few days ago. Jesus said in the last days, the waves would be roaring, perplexed of time, distressed between the nations. What was it? Speaking of these tidal waves, never been known in all the history of the world. 
ever tidal waves ever broke through like that until the last days. A tidal wave which is prophesied right from this platform struck Chicago right here and washed the people and killed up and down the banks of Chicago. No science can't even figure it out. <laughs> you know, I listen to things like this and not to pick on the minister because again, he's, he's a victim just like the rest of us, I'm sure. But he's not telling the whole story. <laughs> he, uh, you know, the thing of it is, back during this time of latter rain, the whole purpose of latter rain was, it was basically, it exploded into a end of days theology because of the world wars. People took specific passages of the Bible where there will be earthquakes in diverse places, wars and rumors of wars, this kind of thing. Well, we had the wars, so now we have to have the earthquakes, and they reference, you know, the San Francisco earthquake and whatever. Well, then here's this freak wave that just comes out of nowhere, and because initially there was an investigation, there was a mystery. Why was there this tidal wave? The, the leaders of this movement, they just rode that wave of hype. Science does not even know what it is. Well, that's true. Initially, science did not know. Now we know that this was not even an unusual thing, and this was a medio tsunami, I think is what they call it. It's right. naturally occurring. <laughs> it's a wave that occurs because there is a, a naturally forming event where the weather causes the surge of water, and the surge of water grows and grows until it becomes this, a little tsunami, right? So... You know, these people, whenever they, they see these things, they leave out the part where, yeah, we know what this is. <laughs> and they they present the listeners with this great mystery. God is showing his signs on the earth, as this wrath, which God could be, but there's also an explanation for this, if you know what I'm saying. Right, and this is something that I, I was, when, when I was um, in Bran a Branham church growing up, it's like, you hear these things and in, in, you're young and maybe you don't have all the facts and, and you look at some of this stuff and it, it, yeah, your, your, your imagination just goes with it and, and you don't have the facts to, to combat it. And so, so yeah, they, you, you go along for the ride in your mind. And, uh, and then when you, when you, if you're able to step back and actually look at the facts and actually see some of this stuff and actually look, look, look at how science breaks this down the the whether it's fear elements or whether it's curiosity elements a, a lot of this stuff tampers down because you're like oh well that's that's explainable you know it's it's not ufo's causing this or it's not the hand of god it's just the weather yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's really you know it's really sad because whenever you use fear as your tool to quote unquote save the people they're held captive by this fear but the problem is, once the fear is released, if they were only held captive to Christianity by fear, well, now that invisible barrier that's containing them into the cult mindset, well, now it's gone if there's no fear. So they have to find the next fear and the next fear and just basically oppress and burden the people down with fear because that's what, literally, that's what kept the people in the cult. And sadly, this event that you're talking about, this tidal wave in Chicago, <clears throat> it, see, Chicago was the epicenter for the Latter Rain movement. You had Joseph Matson Bose's church, 
Bose, who worked with closely with not only William Branham, but several of these Lateran guys, he and A.W. Rasmussen were you know, two powerful figures in the Lateran movement and largely responsible for its spread in the United States and around the globe. Well, Jim Jones, who, you know, the famous Jonestown Massacre, the guy who he and over 900 people committed mass suicide in Guyana, they were a part of this thing. Jim Jones was closely connected to Joseph Matson Bose. Whenever this happened, William Branham, who was the leader of the post-World War II healing revival, he took the prophecy from Nahum. And if you read the book of Nahum, which is a very short book, it literally says in the first few sentences, this is a prophecy for Nineveh, not Chicago. (laughs) And William Branham twists this around and he says, that great eagle Nahum who saw Outer Drive in Chicago, I'll never forget the first time I visited Chicago. I'm driving through Outer Outer Drive, and by this time, I've kind of deprogrammed from the message cult. And I'm driving along, and suddenly that phrase popped in my head, this great eagle Nahum who saw Outer Drive. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm seeing all of these, you know, passenger buses and cars. I think, I think it was on that trip I saw this very, very cool sports car. It was either Lamborghini or something. And I saw this car going... And then I'm thinking back to Nahum's prophecy of chariots, <laughs> and it's in no way, shape, or form, you know, even resembling what Nahum was describing for Nineveh. <laughs> and right. what happened was because the people just simply didn't care. They nobody cared enough to go back and read. Remember, this was a scroll. It was not a book. It did not have chapters or numbered verses. It was a scroll start to finish, was the scroll of this prediction for Nineveh. Well, nobody went to check on it, and Jim Jones became very scared that this was the end of days, and he started presenting this to his following, his cult of personality, that the end of days is coming because God's going to destroy Chicago, and he's going to obliterate the region of area where Indianapolis is with a bomb. Same things that Branham and others were propagating through the post-World War II healing revivals. And Jones, this deeply impacted Jones, and you could say that this was one of the first points in which it changed or altered the tra- trajectory of people's temple, all because of this platform of fear. Right. And, you know, that's something that is concerning for me, you know, because, you know, you see how some of these things have gone in the past, you know, and then you look at some of the same things being used again by different people. And it just, um, yeah, it it really makes you wonder, where are we going? You know, where are some of these things going? And, uh, you know, it, uh, and I, I think that drawing a light on some of this stuff and really showing, you know, that some of these things are not what they've been purported to be is, is helpful and useful for certain people. Um, you know, the more tools you have in your toolbox to investigate some of these things and, and look at what they really are and come, come up with, you know, informed opinions rather than fanatical or even, uh, uninformed opinions in the slightest, you know, it, it really helps to debunk and, you know, come to a more rational conclusion, um, and understanding of what's really going on in some of these instances. Exactly. And earlier, you mentioned the Heaven's Gate cult, which for me is just absolutely fascinating. I know it's tragic and sad what happened, but it's just fascinating because here's this 
fictional theology. It's it's pure fiction, but they take it as theology, just in the same way the Lateran took the fictional <laughs> fictional events and turned it into a theology. Well, they like many, many other branches of this doomsday cult ended up to commit mass suicide because the UFOs are coming down to save us and therefore we must kill ourselves. And in their, in their death came their salvation. It's, it's really, really weird when you think about it. And the, the Heaven's Gate cult was, I've not found any direct link back into the latter rain movement, but the leader was Marshall Applewhite, and he was working with his partner, Bonnie Nettles. Well, Nettles was from Houston, where you have Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen, was in the um, Lateran movement and heavily influenced through the ministries of Jack Moore in Shreveport, Louisiana. We've even got you know some newspaper articles where they're working together, they're holding revivals. I think his first tent was purchased by... Um, Dima Shakarian, who, you know, the founder of the Full Gospel Businessmen International that William Branham worked with, the um, relative of the Kardashian family. So she was right there in this weird epicenter where there were all of these books and publications. We can't say that she was directly connected, but we can say that she was likely influenced because this would have been talk of the day. And Anyway, these two connected, and they started spreading this thing and that attracted the itching ears, and the itching ears started believing it to the extent that they gave their own lives for it. So one of the, one of the things that I want to transition in the podcast is you know, we focus so much on the tragedies and the weird history, but we want to focus more on the difference between this type of religion and what what it's like once you get into the real world, if you know what I mean. And when your mind is constantly thinking of fear and this doomsday scenario, again, you've got these invisible walls of fear that's just holding your, your mind captive. And these leaders of these movements have been manipulated themselves to capitalize on that fear. And they know that when that fear fizzled out, they're going to lose half their congregation because they're held by fear. So they have to find the next fear and the next fear. And that burden and that oppression, it's like a train without rails. You don't know where it's headed. But in the real world, you know, they're preaching Jesus is coming, which is a good thing. It's not bad to think on this. But they take the fear of that, and that's what holds the people captive, versus other Christian churches who aren't doomsday cults. Jesus is coming and yay, it's a great thing. You know, we're going to going to the other side. There's no need to be afraid and there's no need to live in this this fear and this bondage that's holding us. Right. And it's so interesting because like you said, the 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 fear and 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 the isolation that these things can bring you know, one of the things that I, I I noticed from my time in some of these in some of these uh, situations, I'll say, um, is that um, you know there's is so much fear about the outside world and the things of the day that are going on and how they tie into prophecy and things like that, and you know it it really isolates 
people away from the, the people of that group away from the outside world. And that's, as we know, is seen as a precursor to, to things happening that, like you said, go off the rails. But then they're isolated from the outside world, but they create an insular group that seems to provide them with the the connections that they're missing from the outside in some way, shape, or form. So they substitute outside connections for more intense inside connections. And then this isolation a- amplifies and gets worse over time and um, has, has in the past led to some bad things. And it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's strange. And, and, and I even look back at some of the things that I was, you know, I was, I was encountering in my time in these places, you know, and, and yeah, it does, you know, the, you know, a war going on somewhere else across the world is, is somehow impacting you and your faith and, and the rapture. And it's, it's all these weird things that get so far beyond the Bible. And, 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 you know, like you said, Jesus and, 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 and it just, yeah, you're, you're like, what, what are we, what are we doing? Is, 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 is this church or is this conspiracy theory time? <laughs> <laughs> right. And <clears throat> you know, the other problem it's not it's not necessarily bad to be close to the people in your church. That's a good thing. Church is supposed to be community. And if you look up the signs of what is a healthy church, you'll find that that's one of the things that is listed as healthy if it is a community that is welcoming. The problem that I see with a lot of these types of splinter groups and variations of what emerge from latter rain is that they're not welcoming. They're very condescending to those who aren't of the same belief set. And so if you were a visitor from another church and you, you come to this cult thing and you're, you know, you're new, you don't know what it is they believe, and suddenly this guy on the platform is just railing you and every church that you've ever attended, well, you're never going to come back to this. And the people who are there, they see this outsider come in and they think, oh, they're being witness to the word of God when, when really they're just, (laughs) they're sitting through a bunch of insults and then they leave and they say, well, they went out from us because they were not of us. And, And they're not realizing that if you really want to reach the loss, you want to save the sinner, well, you've got to speak in a way that makes the sinner want to join you, right? But these people get together and they get into this group mindset and this group think. And it what happens is what could have been a healthy community, they become even hyper-connected to the, to the extent that it's an unhealthy level of connection where they're, I mean, they're just right in each other's business. They want to, <clears throat> they want to know, you know, are they sinning? Let's go tell the pastor. Or are they, you'll hear these sermons preached at the people who are in the congregation. And, you know, it's just, it's not a normal thing. But when you're in this group mindset, you start to, you start to see this abuse, this religious abuse as a normal thing. To an outsider looking in, as you know, the first time they visit they're gone. They will never come back to, to this weird thing that, quite frankly, it's even stranger than the UFOs. Yeah. And, you know, even like thinking back just a, just a moment to one thing that you said um, about the, you know, the you've got the Jonestown and then you've got the uh, Heaven's Gate. One of the things that I thought was interesting when I was looking at both of those was that, um, you know, both groups had a similar sort of um, 
you know, they, they talked about the leader as though he's father or something like that, a more familial connection. And, um, I, it, it is strange, you know, uh, to, to see both of those phenomena happening in two different, uh, two different groups that seem to be disconnected. Um, but then, you know, you see, like we talked about the more insular connections and stuff like that. And, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to, to, to see these things from a high level point of view, just to look at them and examine them for what they are. And just to see, you know, things that like, you know, like you've talked about in other, in other shows about, you know, identifying things that can lead to destructive situations, though necessarily in a normal circumstance could be completely fine. But if they're introducing an extreme situation can, you know, get really bad. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is interesting. Right. And you know, what you're describing is the central figure people when they, <clears throat> when they have this unhealthy level of closeness and they've got a person that is leading them. Well, suddenly this leader gets put onto a pedestal that no human should ever be put on. And as far back in time as you want to go, you can see this recurring over and over again, history repeating itself to the extent that in the ancient world, there, in, in America today, we have this separation of church and state. But in the ancient world, it wasn't like this. You had the Pharaoh or the king or whatever is the leader who is basically the mediator between the God or the gods and man in so much that the people saw him as the deity. And whenever he died, there were a lot of ancient ancient you know, cities where the people would commit mass suicide in order to go to heaven or go to the underworld with their God, their, <laughs> their leader. The terracotta warriors is an example of this. You've got the army of the terracotta warriors where all of the people knew that they were going to all die. They were going to commit suicide. And so they, they had somebody come in and start making these statues that represented each one of the individuals who killed themselves for the, for the terracotta army. It's a fascinating history. It's tragic and sad, but whenever you take a person who is a human and you try to deify him in such a way that he is not human, take that all the way down into the churches. Whenever you take a pastor who's one of us, who, you know, in the Bible, the same word for deacon is the same word used for pastor, which is a servant. When you take the one who's supposed to be the lowest among us, the servant who's showing us the way, and you make him now our controller, You've just basically deified him, and now you've created the scenario that can produce yet another splinter group. And, you know, it's tragic when you think Heaven's Gate and Jonestown. They're all potentially terracotta warriors. They can all enter into this scenario where they commit mass suicide. Right, and and going off that, <laughs> there's uh, I've even seen instances in, in some of the groups that uh, that I'm familiar with where there's this there's this hyper focus on the pastor as the leader of the church and 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 in in as far as you can't even understand your bible your religious text without this this person in your life and 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 showing you how it all fits together and so when all these things come to you that you don't understand you're trained to be like well the pastor has it all figured out or he will have it all figured out and when i'm meant to understand the understanding will be given to me so James, if you had one thing that you could say to our listeners, you you and I both experienced different 
sects or branches of this, but we both in, we both experience about the same thing. If you had one thing that you could say to the people who were once involved with this and now they've escaped this and they um you know they're going through the process of healing and they're going through the process of deprogramming from this weird stuff that's in our head what would you tell our listeners well i would say that the best thing that well one of the things that helped me was just to honestly dig in further as far as research and and, and when things popped up and and i yeah because you'd run across things as you're as you're deprogramming that you're like you're like, man, where did I come across that? And you start looking into it. And then for me, it almost becomes comical because I almost laugh at the situation that I even did believe that. And it's not that I'm laughing at myself or being down on myself. It's just the situation just seems so absurd. And I think the more that, um, the more that you train yourself to think critically and the more you're exposed to critical thinking and, and, and just, you know, actual facts that aren't just, um, you know, manipulated stories and manipulated instances and stuff like that. I, I, it, it helped me and maybe, maybe that can help other people as well. My advice is enjoy the fiction. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if, you know, there's some people that I think have caught it. Not everybody has caught it, but if you look right back in my back, every episode of this uh, this podcast has the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars in it. <laughs> and um, right in front, you can't see it, but in front of me, I've got the little Star Trek figurines of Kirk and Spock and Khan. I enjoy the UFOs. I enjoy the history. War of the Worlds, I actually just saw the movie for the first time, I want to say two weeks ago, th maybe three weeks ago. I'd never seen the movie. Um, I had heard the radio broadcast, and <clears throat> I knew some of the history, but... It's a fascinating movie. It's fiction. It is a fascinating fiction movie. It in no way, shape, or form should be in a religious context. <laughs> Whenever you merge fiction with Christianity, you get more fiction. You don't get Christianity. Fiction plus Christianity equals fiction. So my advice is enjoy the fiction. Take it out of the church. If you hear a, a minister try to blend fiction with your version of quote-unquote Christianity, ask yourself, are you really in Christianity? <laughs> because I can, I can assure you that if they're bringing fiction into their sermons, they probably ran out of good, healthy things to say. And I'll just, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. If you've enjoyed our show and you want more information, you can check us out on the web. You can find us at william-branham.org. And for an overview of the historical research of William Branham and the healing revivals, read Preacher Behind the White Hoods, a critical examination of William Branham and his message. Available on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. Join us again next week. We've got a great episode coming. <laughs> <laughs>